You're listening to the Healing the City podcast. In this episode, Pastor Eric and Susan talk about false beliefs. $25 headphones. $25 headphones. <laughs> Welcome to the Healing City Podcast with Eric and Sue. Good morning. Good morning to you. You cannot tap on the table. We're in a podcast. I'm really bad at not making any noises. You're a noise-making uh, person. Yes. You know what we did today? Hmm. We worked out this morning. I do know what we did today. Yeah, we <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. We worked out. We did. And then we went to breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I upped my workout weight to t- 10 more pounds. And It's a really heavy kettlebell, folks. And uh, I don't think I can pick it up. <laughs> I, I, I decided that if I had started with that kettlebell, I would not have worked out for the last six months. That's right. <laughs> but <laughs> you I would have been impaired. But I could do it now. And it's, uh, it's good By for me. I said kettlebell. It's good good for me. It got my heart rate up a lot more. Those kettlebell swings or whatever they're called. I don't know what any of it's called. We just follow the lady on I the just screen. watch the video. She tells us what to do. Try to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's been a good thing to do together, working out. Mm-hmm. Our, what, 15-minute hit workout. It's intense. Yes. You don't get to pause. And then you do, yeah, lots of different parts of your body. Anyway. And, and we do daily planks. We do do the daily but planks. But not right after the hit no. workout because <laughs> we can't. <laughs> daily planks. Anyway, so it's good mm. to see you. Yes. And it's been good to spend our morning together. Mm-hmm. And today, we, it's been a while since you and I have been on the Healing the City podcast. It's true. It's really been a while since Healing the City podcasts have come out. Jessica's interview with Sydney came out a few weeks ago but mm-hmm. outside of that we haven't been talking it's uh, been hard to to schedule or have the energy to be in front of a mic I think yes there's a lot of digital interactions these days and I find they take a lot of energy they do yes but we're here we made it back to the microphone yeah and today we're we're going to talk about um false beliefs yes and how what they are and how they're developed. Yeah, so false beliefs are part of the table of decision or hot seat model, as we call it interchangeably. And uh, can you just place where it fits in that schema? A schema? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's let's just start from the beginning. So those many listeners that we have who don't know anything about what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. the hot seat model is a... I would really actually... Th- call it a spiritual formation exercise i think that's what i'm going to start calling it is it's a spiritual formation exercise and and the goal of that exercise is to help you better um deal with your emotions and live in the gospel and care for people in ways that are good and holy and so the way we do that is we ask people to come up with an event in their life a specific event that may illustrate their particular feelings in the moment or over the last week or so and a negative event not a positive one um, and then we look at we ask them to describe that event tell people what happened and then in the context of the event could be like a an interaction you had with your child or your four-year-old said i don't like you and ran away 
into their room and slammed the door. We begin to, we ask, well, okay, so what did you feel in that moment? And we try to help people get in touch with their actual experience because a lot of times what they think is, well, I just felt angry and then I went and did something. Mm-hmm. Right? How dare they do that? So we try to help them get in touch with how that they experience anger in their bodies, what might be underneath the anger emotionally, all that. Just asking questions, trying to hear, get people grounded in who they are. Because what we believe is that in our emotions, particularly ones that are pretty primal, um, this is the place where the enemy comes to to attack us. It's when we're most vulnerable, and he begins to to accuse us, accuse other people, and accuse God of things. And we begin to take on what we call false beliefs about reality. So false beliefs about ourselves, false beliefs about say the four-year-old kid false beliefs about god now the nature of the way that false beliefs developed is that they are usually partially true and so um yeah that's what false beliefs are it makes them fairly tricksy they are very tricksy and that's i mean the enemy is masquerades as an angel of light he is as first peter 5 8 says going back and forth looking for whom he can devour I think this is a point where he looks to devour and accuse Christians and and to mobilize them from bringing the gospel forward into the, their kids' lives or neighbors, etc. So would you say uh, that the false beliefs are generated in those moments or are they pre-existing conditions? Where do they come from? Um, well, I mean, if you believe that the enemy is an accuser of the brethren, then they come from the enemy at some level. Um, but because uh, the way this particular spiritual formation uh, exercises develop, we're dealing with things in a particular event. But most likely the lies that you're going to hear are ones that you've been told all your life and have significance to you. Um, and so they're just being built upon, really. Um you have a well-developed false belief about who God is and how he relates. And so what we're trying to do with this is maybe take a pickaxe and take a chunk out of it and be like, no, nah, we're going to take that away. You know, we're going to, we're going to destabilize these false beliefs. Mm-hmm. So they, they're developed all the way through your life. I mean, and, and, you know, words that people use usually are the things that develop those false beliefs, our teachers, our parents, our good friends, something that happened at church or at work um, that was, you know, formate, formative to you in a moment so yeah i think that's where they come from and how would you say we would get to these false beliefs what kind of questions are you asking people to kind of create a focus on them and and draw them out see what they really look like well i think something that's i mean really helpful First is just to realize that you are going to develop and hear things that are not true about the person that you're interacting with and about yourself mm-hmm. and about God. Now, it's easy, like, say, for the, you know, the four-year-old says the mean thing to you and runs away and you've been in a power struggle for you to have, like, develop false beliefs about this child. Like, they're stubborn all the time. They don't like you. They're a difficult child. Um, you should have never had them. Mm-hmm. It's a mistake. You, know, you can see how those things begin to build up real quick. Mm-hmm. 
especially if they're stubborn all the time or there's that kind of strong will we might call mm-hmm. right so knowing that you develop in those categories that those are the categories and the that it's the one that's sort of subtle is is god so if you're a follower of jesus you have a hard time thinking that you actually believe things falsely about god but the reality is it, you see through scripture, God continually trying to restructure people's understanding of who he is. Mm-hmm. I think Christ is the ultimate restructuring of an under, of the world's understanding of who God is. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I have a lot of false beliefs about God. A lot of times, you know, because God has chosen to reveal himself as father in, and Jesus has affirmed him as a father, fathers, in the absence of fathers, does shape um, our understanding of who God is. But I would say parental units in general Mm -hmm. shape our understanding of God as we're kids. Kids are, are a lot of spirituality is being developed when you're little, but you don't see the fruit of it until later. Right. A lot of times. So anyway, so how do we get to those? You're asking the questions. I think first just establishing with people like, okay, well, these are the categories that you are going to develop false beliefs in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever, when you are uh, angry and and maybe, you know, usually when, at least my experience with we'll go with a four-year-old, my experience there is, yes, an initial emotion of anger, but usually underneath that is the fact that I'm powerless. I can't make this kid do the things that I want this kid to do. Mm-hmm. I feel powerless. So when you feel powerless or when you experience that, so asking it, when you experience it, what, oh, look, I forgot to turn my phone off. This podcast has been brought to you by Eric's phone. Um, you know, in faith of a breakfast, Andy's always getting on me for the phone. And so I put my phone in another room now. And the last two podcasts, his phone is just buzzing like crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. But anyway, yeah, so you're asking when you feel this, this uh, when you feel powerless, so like a when you feel, what is it that you think about yourself? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this child? Like what are some of the things? And, and a lot of times it's good to just start listing those out um, or allowing whoever's asking the questions to be writing them down so then they can reflect back to you and say, yeah, well, okay, so you think that your four-year-old child, Jack, is, you know, stubborn and mean, or you think that they're the hopeless case, or you think that I mean, this is what you're saying. Is that true? You, mm-hmm. you really believe that they're a hopeless case? Is that a true belief? Mm-hmm. To, you know, and then begin to like, okay, so that's a false belief that you're living by, and that, that will help, that shapes the way you interact with them. Right. And same with yourself, like, I mean, you heard me repeat them earlier, like, that powerless feeling of, like, well, I should have never done this, like, why did I have a kid, like, I would, or I'm not a good parent, or I failed the last three years, and so this is why I have a strong-willed child, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, as disciplined as I should have been, so you see, like, yes, probably that I wasn't all the time, so I have a little truth that creates a larger false narrative and the enemy's like yeah you never really got it right that's why your child's this way Mm -hmm. and then you know a lot of times our you know so it's it's just asking and letting people hear and and so you know my experience is once people start talking they're not going to get at the false beliefs 
well, but they'll start indicating what they might be. And then you can say, well, it sounds like you're really a, but you really believe that you'll, you'll never be able to be a good parent. And they're like, oh, yeah, I think about that all the time. I just can't do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you have the false beliefs about yourself and others, I think, um, but those are the easier ones to get at. They indicate what you believe about God. Mm -hmm. Because they show that you believe God can't intervene usually in these things. Mm -hmm. That he's anemic in some form or another. He's not powerful. He's unwilling to engage you. He's punishing you mm -hmm. for the way you screwed up. This is what you deserve. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. And see, God's just that parent who... He's never going to offer you grace. He's given it to you once through Jesus, and now you got to do it perfect. Right. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of things. Well, I think what's interesting about what you're saying, especially in the using this in relation to a child, is the things that that we believe about our kids. Uh, if we actually were to say them out loud to the child would be words of death to them. Like they would be the, become the core of a false belief in that child's future. Right. And so, you know, a lot of parents try not to say shaming things to their children. So they just stuff those ideas deeper, but we're still acting on them. And so we're still communicating them to yes. our kids. And that feels like a potent motivator to me to uproot these false beliefs and deal with them and get, you know, do whatever I can to eradicate their power because it has an impact uh, on our kids. It has an impact on the people that we interact with that we care about on a daily basis. Yeah. So that's an interesting idea. I, I think you're right. And I think it goes to the heart of why we, I particularly and you, I think that this is such a strong spiritual formation exercise because I think what it, it is saying is we we need to get at the root of the darkness so that we can actually begin to see transformation happen in the world like and you know we've been going through Ephesians in our community and then our pastor Rod spoke on our pastor Rod versus everybody else's pastor <laughs> Rod um, spoke on Colossians which uh, chapter three, which lines up with Ephesians. Um, and the, the reality in that is there's a lot of putting on mm -hmm. and that's because naturally we do believe what is false and naturally we do listen to the, to the negative attacks on our identity and who we are. And we get caught up in these very dark narratives and we can't get out of them. Mm hmm. And what happens is, is that they're not, sometimes they're huge things that just dominate our life and are destructive. But a lot of times, I mean, they're destructive, but they're small. And there are many dialogues that happen that shape us and create almost this encasement as we get older of these narratives that we operate by and aren't, and, and we've become in some ways, uh, I don't know, impotent in our capacity to be people who speak truth because we're so bound by these little chains that have just, you know, kind of um, subdued us over time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this exercise, if you're practicing on a regular basis is, is 
bringing you to a place of repentance, a place of where you can understand who Jesus is in what he's done for you and respond to that. And that's why I think Paul keeps saying, put on, put on, put on. Don't do this. Don't be like this. Don't be the way you were. Because mm-hmm. it's the way you were, the way I was, is an easy place to be. Right. It's comfortable, even if it's not healthy. And I think of this as, you know, what you were saying is there, there are these spots of darkness that we are harboring and carrying around. That even just the simple act of some other people being around with flashlights and shining a light on the false beliefs is really powerful. Yeah. Even if you don't know what to do with them or whatever, you know, hopefully there's also a process after this because the hot seat model continues yes. to other cool things. Uh, and there's prayer that comes out of it that's really powerful. But even just the act of somebody shining a, a light, you know, with you, um, gently looking at your false beliefs and saying, hey, you know, that's a lie. That thing that you believe is not actually true because it feels so true to us. You know, we really believe these things. And just because we call them false beliefs doesn't mean they feel false. And so having them come into the light is really powerful as, you know, someone looking at them and saying, huh, you believe that. That's a really horrible, heavy, awful thing to carry around your whole life. And that in itself is sometimes really freeing. So uh, you mentioned before that the false beliefs often have some kind of truth wrapped up in them um, or some seedling of truth or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What do we do with that? Well, I mean, I think the easy one that I already talked about was just, you know, as a parent, I've been a parent now for 19 years, there are times in my parenting where I've been lazy or I've taken the easy path. Mm -hmm. So there's truth that my weakness has impacted my children. So in a moment when I am upset by their behavior, which is wrong or sinful, mm-hmm. and I and they're withdrawing relationship from me and making me pay for something, it is very easy for me to take a truth mm-hmm. that the enemy takes the truth, you've been lazy sometimes and this has had an impact on your children, mm-hmm. and saying, and extending that beyond its truthfulness, you're, you are a failure as a parent, you've always been lazy in the way that you've approached this, and now this is why you're having to, this is why this, your child is rejecting you or not being disobedient. It's mm-hmm. because of you. You failed. And certainly there's some truth in that. And ultimately maybe there's truth that I have failed because I'm a broken person. But that doesn't mean my child is not being disobedient and I'm not being invited to act in a different way. And because I'm a follower of Jesus, and then pursuing Jesus, I can, I know that I haven't, it's not, a, really the enemy always uses hyper, hyperbole. So he takes truth, he mm-hmm. takes my sinfulness, and he extends it out to everything and says anything, anything and everything is broken because of you. Mm-hmm. And I just know, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know, I mean, unless you are just chosen a life of to uh, sadistic evil which means you wouldn't be going through a spiritual formation model um <laughs> that's just not a truth 
yes, there's a truth that you send and you're broken that has an impact on your kid. But that in this moment, it's not about it. It, it goes after your value mm-hmm. all the time. Takes things that are true and uses them as value statements. That's what the enemy does. And your brain, like, let's, I mean, I'm not blaming this on the enemy. It's, it's a cooperative effort. Your brain is quick to, to have that dialogue itself. And you're quick to hang on to that. Because you can say, well, yeah, it's just hopeless. I can't do anything about it. I might as well just give up. I might as well withdraw from this child, not offer them relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, just get by, appease. Right. Figure out how we're going to make it through this. And that's, those are, that goes on to, you know, some of the things the enemy offers you and, and how we talk about the table of decision later in this model. But. Right. And without going into the rest of the model, and talking about the behaviors that come out of the different beliefs and all of that, is there a way of kind of some preliminary resolution to this once you recognize a belief as false? Sure. What do you do? Well, I, I think there are two two important things to to think about. Number one is I would get a hold of some of your core emotions, like in the sense of being able to say, okay, let me think about some times that I felt powerless. Um, or because then like knowing that some of the, what are the emotions that, that are negative that you tend to experience? Cause you know, mm-hmm. there are a few of them, but some of us, you know, some of us have a very anxious core emotion. Some of us have a powerless sense. Some of us, you know, have less of a, an anxiety and more of a fear, which is sort of married together. But you know, if you know those, you know that when you feel those, you will understand that out of that, you're going to have sets of false beliefs that tend to be kind of uh, regular false beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a pretty powerful exercise just to see that on paper and to know some of the lies that you hear. And then usually if you're doing this with someone else, having them just pray over those with you and you pray over them and just kind of present them to God and say, this is what I believe that's not true. Will you forgive me and help me believe what's true? Mm-hmm. And having someone ask, pray to pr- protection over you from the enemy and give and you know, and stand with you against the lies of the enemy. I think that is just a, is right there is a good, you know, thing having a having a if you're doing it by yourself it's just praying through them is really powerful having someone tell you mm-hmm. god's not that way mm-hmm. you think god's this way but this is not how god is this is who god is mm-hmm. you know you may have made these mistakes but that's not your identity and that's not your typical way of behaving you know your four-year-old may have these tendencies but they are this this and this and they you know, are made in the image of God and you're invited to, you know, they can speak truth into those for you. What stands out to me about that is that we often think about repenting of sin in terms of behavioral stuff, which it is because sin is a, ch- is a choice that we make to do something generally. Yes. Uh, but the root of sin is in our beliefs. And yes. so I think the confession of a sinful belief system as the root of whatever behaviors come off of it is significant. And uh, something I think that doesn't get talked about a lot, that we can confess false beliefs as sin 
and as the root of sin and um, experience repentance at that level that then carries itself out into a repentant lifestyle of action. Um, the other idea that stands out to me is the proclamation of truth, that it matters to say what's true. Yes. And it matters to have the people around us say what's true about us and about God and about the people around us. But it matters also for us to be proclaiming truth I agree. in those areas. Yeah. Cool. Um, my last thought is that I think as we're looking for false beliefs in the in the outlay of the table of decision, the process. Yes. Uh, that having this as a category is helpful. I like to do the table of decision on a whiteboard and be writing stuff down in different sure. spaces on the whiteboard. So the false beliefs go in the top right corner. The event and its emotions go in the top left corner and things have their different places. And so as people are talking through how they felt, their emotional experience, often false beliefs will pop out in that space. And we have the opportunity to say, oh, that's interesting. That is one of your false beliefs. And we'll stick it up in the false belief section. And so one of the things that we're doing is kind of taking what emerges in the conversation and straining it out into its different parts and putting things where they belong as far as thoughts, emotions, beliefs, actions. So um, that is something to be that we are in the process of, not just when we're asking specifically about false beliefs, but all throughout the conversation. We're kind of aware of false beliefs spinning off of different things. So... Do you have anything else you would like to say? No, I think that was really good. I think that was a good podcast. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Stepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.